Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo fellow adventurers, happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you're ready for the best week of your life so far. We've got a great question for today's spiritual tune-up. Today's question um, I've seen again and again and again, uh, which is not uncommon. We're all in this together. We're all facing the same hurdles, challenges, fears, etc. The question is, does being happy set you up for a fall? The questioner went on to elaborate that Suddenly, after having emerged from a challenging time and now everything is rosy, the person's actually afraid. Fear is setting in like, this is too sweet. This is just too good to last. Like something's going on. When's the shoe, the other shoe going to fall? This is such a common refrain. So let me be really clear. Being happy does a many splendid things for you and your life. Even if you just sit there alone right now and beam a great big smile. Come on! It changes everything physiologically. It attracts to you more physical reasons and cool people to elicit that joy, to perpetuate that joy. It helps realign the stars and moves mountains out of your way so that you can be all that you've ever dreamed of being. Happiness and joy is it. It's the ultimate ticket. Think not as too many beginner students to metaphysics think that the only way to understand life is through contrast. Contrast is real, either or, high or low, black and white. But do not think that you have to go low to know high, that you have to feel sick to feel healthy, that you have to cycle up and down and in or out. The contrast is significantly theoretical. Yes, absolutely. You can very often learn what it is you most love by experimenting with other things that you found to be yucky, okay? But that doesn't mean the only way to finding what you most love is through yucky. And don't think that for every high there is a low. Bogus, dumb lie, okay? Don't think in order to get to the top of the mountain, you have to go to the bottom of the mountain. It's theoretical. If there's a north, there's a south. But you don't have to go south to go north. It's too many Eager students misunderstand the, the lessons behind contrast. It's real. It's juicy. But it need not be experienced in its every form or fashion. 
remember this. You are pure divine energy here to rock and roll, literally pushed on to greatness every single day. You live in a non-neutral universe. You don't have to experience everything to get what you most want. You don't even have to do that to know what you most want. You can just surrender to divine intelligence with joy in your heart and you will be perpetually lifted higher into the light, radiating for all to see and learn from. Okay, so uh, your positive thoughts are therefore more inclined to become things than your negative thoughts. Your joyful thoughts, spontaneous manifestations, um, which is not to diminish the fact that, okay, once you're in that place of joy, that's not to say as you rise in vibration that you're not going to be bumping into the outer layers of your comfort zone. That's not to say that there aren't also simultaneously maybe some misunderstandings about the nature of reality, health, relationships, whatever, whatever. So just... So as you elevate, and sometimes because you're elevating, you may have a grander view of the landscape and therefore sense more responsibilities through which to learn. But it would never be, I'm happy, therefore a fall is coming. Okay, You're happy and you're going to have lessons. You're going to have lessons even if you're not happy. So don't attribute stubbing your toe to the earlier joy. The more joy you can feel, the more joy that you create, the more joy is waiting for you around the corner and the faster your upward spiral will take off. And also, one other condition. Don't let joy in the moment or for the week or for a month seduce you into thinking you don't have to take action to keep it going. Don't let joy or happiness seduce you into not reflecting and wondering how else you could be even more amazing. Jumbo fellow adventurers, happy Tuesday. Welcome to our next spiritual tune-up. And because yesterday's topic of happiness uh, Rose, uh, sparked a lot more questions on the same theme. I'm going to continue that discussion right now. The question or the double question today posted by you down below, please post your questions down below, um, goes like this. Where do the concepts of fairness and positivity come into play when, it, when it's about our happiness? Fair? Positive? Required? No, not at all. Not what you're thinking. Um, to pick up clearly where I left off yesterday, the topic was simply, does being happy set you up for a fall? And the answer was, no way, Jose. Uh, we are born to be happy. It is our default setting. We just have to get out of our own way. Do not think that because of contrast, for there to be a high, you have to go low. And then you go high and then you go low. That would be a torturous, um, nonsensical 
adventure into time and space. We're here because we can be happy all the time. We are God Almighty come alive in the dream of life with thoughts and free will to make it so. So now let's talk about fairness, first of all. And a lot of people get hung up on this, and it's probably a lot of, you know, the religious indoctrination that we all had. Fairness implies judgment. Most folks believe that God sits in judgment. God does not sit in judgment. We are God. God has no point in judging herself. Um, and, and more, fairness implies deserving, which implies you could be undeserving. Fairness implies worthy, which implies you might be unworthy. Fairness implies there's dues to pay. Oh, what a slog. What a lot of hard work. You've got to go. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to be a goody two-shoes. And then maybe one day you might be happy. Total misconception on happiness stemming from a belief in judgment leading to fairness, worthy, deserving, and dues. Don't go there. And I know the question's already come up a dozen times. What about evil people? What about bad people? There are only lost people. Okay, everyone in their own warped way sometimes, everyone in their own way is doing their best. They're doing their best to move forward, to grow, to justify, to explain, to make amends, to make things right. They might, they might have some awful ways. Uh, this doesn't mean they're right, and I'm not justifying it. But in a heartbeat, anyone, can move and align with truth and be set free. The karmic slate is wiped clean and they can find happiness in that day. And isn't this good news when you consider our own records? Are, are you a totally spotless, clean, never told a lie, always a goody two-shoes? It's like, it's okay. You're loved, you're adored. We're all loved, we're all adored. Life is our workbook. Life is a big you know, workshop, okay? This is not even reality. And we all get rehabilitated and we all move closer to the light and we all ultimately ascend to our throne where we are happy all the time. Believe it. The other concept, positivity. What is positivity but judgment? One person's positive is another person's mediocre, is another person's negative, is another person's whatever. Uh, it's not about being positive, particularly given our funk in the illusions and the confusion that stems there from, particularly we tend to want to force positivity. That means we're fighting the world sometimes. We're denying our feelings sometimes. Like, no, be positive, be positive. That will blow up in your face. Okay, so it's not a matter of being positive. You don't have to be positive. Here's what I recommend. Alignment with truth. I've talked about it a lot during these spiritual tune-ups. Be aligned with who you really are, how you got here. Life is the ultimate knowable. Okay, it's not supposed to be some mystery. It's not supposed to be hard to figure out. Just pay attention. You're given your days. You're given your power. Even when you trip and mess up, you're still powerful and you still live in heaven on earth. Okay, so allow it to be easy uh, and don't be 
by moving towards truth, okay? It's not positivity, it's truth. The bottom line, if you want more happiness, if you want 24-7, 365 ecstasy, choose happiness through perspective. Through perspective. Change your perspective. I know that Abraham Lincoln says, oh, most folks are about as happy as they make up their mind to be. But it's deeper than that. It's not just, well, I'm going to be happy today. I'm going to see the bright side. I'm going to see what's going for me. I'm going to see the infinite possibilities because everyone watching this live or recorded right now has a choice to see the bright side. And there is a bright side for every single person watching right now. You stay on that bright side. You, you address your, your, your fears, your uncertainties, but simultaneously you camp out on the bright side. That's the perspective to choose. That choice inevitably will spring forth happiness. Okay, And then you will live happily ever after by seeing things rightly as they are in this bastion of order and perfection floating through the cosmos. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, thrilled to be doing another spiritual tune-up. Thank you for enabling me. Uh, it is an honor. And today's question is one that uh, I can relate to. Well, I've been through all of the stuff that I explain. Mike, I'm positive in the day. But at nighttime, I worry. Anxiety. What's going on? Do you have any thoughts to share. Yeah, I do. And I know. I mean, even in the last couple of years, I've had some of this happen to me. Do not think, oh my gosh, I've got a runaway chain of fear. Oh my gosh, I'm not up to doing this. Oh my gosh, there's some internal flaw going on with me. It's part and parcel of living in these illusionary jungles of time and space where we feel we are secondary to life, that we need to react. So, no big deal. You're going to transcend this. You're going to rise above this. You're going to move into the light. It's just a chink in your armor and you're going to buff it out. Here are my thoughts from you. Number one, extremely likely that you're either repressing some thoughts or hiding from some thoughts. Same kind of thing. Hidden or repressed fears or concerns. That does not mean that they're mysterious. It just might be that one area that you don't want to think about anymore. Maybe it happened 20 years ago. Maybe it happened two days ago. But an accumulation of thoughts unthunk that are looking for clarity will bring about during the quiet of the night this runaway imagination and anxiety. This is so easy to deal with. Again, do not feel like you've been overrun and you've lost control. We just want to air things out. We want the truth to be known. The truth will set you free. You're here to thrive. So here's what I recommend. It's what I have done and it has always worked. Even though while I do it, I feel utterly lost and the exercise feels pointless. Journal. Now, if you're not a writer, you don't have to have a pad and paper. 
You can journal in your mind. You can talk it out loud. You know, and, and go to a, if you live with somebody, go to where you're not going to wake them up. Go to another room, another chair, silently. Um, and or do this during the day. Don't wait for the anxiety to show up. But just write down, I'm going to give you three example questions. Write down these questions. Why am I worried or afraid? Question mark. And or, what am I not seeing about this issue that's bothering me? What am I not seeing? Number three, what, if anything, am I suppressing or hiding? Now, you might think, if I knew the answer to those questions, I wouldn't be doing this. Write the questions down. And then all importantly, write out or think through the answer. Speak out loud. Put it to words. That's the exercise. Don't just be like, well, that doesn't make sense. That does make sense. Write it down. This is therapy. Here is what I have found. Number one, I will often shock myself with the insights I reveal as the answer. It's like, damn, of course. Yeah, I knew it, but I didn't. Now I see it. Number one, I will shock myself. And number two, sometimes I don't impress myself. But the effect is the same. Ease, relaxation. I brought the issue to the front of my thinking. I could finally see that it ain't no thing. That these lions and tigers and bears are paper. Nothing to be afraid of. Whether or not your answer surprises you or is profound. That you did this exercise, even with some regularity, changes everything. Additionally, surround yourself in the days that follow your night anxiety with awesome books, books of truth, metaphysical books, books that have given you comfort in the past or that you're about to read because you think they're going to give you comfort. I, li I list at tut.com my favorite recommended readings the list is 15 books long. Um, then there's my books, 17 books long. Um, then there's these spiritual tune-ups. Immerse yourself in truth. This alone can banish nighttime anxiety. If you're dwelling in truth, that you are of God, by God, pure God, that you're here to rock and roll, that you're here by choice, that everything is here for you, that everything's working out on your behalf, as you immerse yourself in these truths, whatever the hang-up was, the suppressed thought was, may be rectified without you even naming it. You're so inclined to succeed. You've got this. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. And you'll resume to your positive days and sleeping great at night. The last thought I would share with you here is, in addition to surrounding yourself with books and doing these tune-ups, um, here's a hobby to adopt. Just speculate and think on truth all the time. Like, what is the truth? Who am I? Why am I here? What's the point? Why do bad things happen to good people? Um, ask these hard questions. You will be illuminated. And as you peel layers away from the onion, you are, of the onion, your power will be restored in all areas. So there you go. Journal. The process will help you even if the answers don't. Um, 
dwell in truth with books and spiritual tune-ups and go within. You're not vulnerable. You will prevail. You will soar again. It ain't no thing. Jumbo fellow adventurers, how's it going? Good morning, at least morning here in Orlando, Florida. So glad to be with you on another spiritual tune-up. Many of you um, asked great questions again yesterday. Uh, I want to get to all of them. Please continue to post and repost if I haven't answered your question yet. So if you got a question, I need talking points. Um, yesterday, somebody asked a question about, did I manifest my wife? Or was that an accident? And somebody else said, yeah, good question. I want to know. So, you know, I'm like Tamatoa, the crab in Moana. I love to talk about myself. So if you will indulge me, I will tell you about uh, meeting my wife and manifestation versus accident. Uh, but I first want to tell you that I did speak in a four-part spiritual tune-up in May about attracting the right person, dealing with breakups, uh, what to do when adversity arises in a relationship. Go look at the directory in Facebook or Instagram for May 1, 2020, and you'll hear more about relationships. <clears throat> and of course, I understand not everybody wants a relationship, but I'm speaking to those now who do and or who are curious how I got mine going. And of course, if you're not into a relationship right now, what I'm about to share with you, the mechanics of which, will apply to whatever you could possibly want to manifest. So, you know, I'm always a bit annoyed uh, when I do live events and somebody says, oh, you talked a lot about abundance. It's like, <laughs> or, or something. It's like everything I share with regard to logistics, mechanics, and how to deliberately manifest works for whatever you want, tangible, intangible, ethereal, spiritual, confidence, service, love, money. Um, just switch out the examples and the same principles apply. So here we go. Everything that happens in life, I think you know, is a manifestation. There's zero exceptions. The only distinction is, were they intentional or were they unintended? Intended or unintended? That's the only distinction. Um, but nevertheless, they're all manifestations. So the answer is I manifested my wife as she manifested me. It was kind of a co-creation. Uh, and while I would like to say it was an overnight, you know, success of my manifesting skills, I didn't meet her until I was 48. I don't even look 48 now, thanks to the love in my life. But, um, you know, that was 12, 11 years ago. Uh, so I had never been married, mostly single, usually desperate. So, so I can relate to almost anybody's path. So what did I do over all those decades to successfully manifest a woman who I truly adore? Um, well, I'm going to tell you the obvious. I visualized, I affirmed, I examined my beliefs from time to time. I wrote down, you know, do I think I'm worthy? Do I think relationships are a good thing? Are they spiritual? Am I ready? And I would look at my beliefs. Um, I acted with faith like I knew it was inevitable. I demonstrated. You know, I would, I would buy my 
future girlfriend some perfume, even though I didn't have a girlfriend. I would buy tickets to an event for two people, even though I had nobody to go with. And usually this created sparks and magic in my life at the time. And there was girlfriends and women who showed up. Um, but this was an accumulation. I, I did on my vision boards, scrapbooks. Uh, I never did one just for relationships, but there would always be, you know, some perspective types on my vision board, you know, looking at me and I'd be like talking to her. Um, and I made myself available. I took baby steps. I was out there in the world. I signed up for internet dating. It was not fun. Now, you don't have to do all those things, but every one of those things adds power, okay? Every one of those things brings clarity. Every one of those things puts you out there, makes you a lightning rod for serendipities. But do not stress out. In these areas that I just enumerated, there is so much wiggle room. There's so much leeway. Divine intelligence will connect the dots. Here, I'm about to tell you what else occurred in my life that I believe made the difference in me going from desperate and dateless to a 12-year relationship, nine of which we've been married, uh, and truly fulfilling and, you know, one of the best things that's ever happened in my whole life. First, okay, there's four things. Number one, you got to really care and want to be in, ama in, ama in an amazing relationship. And you don't have to. You can be happy and you can grow spiritually. You can walk on water without a partner. Um, but if you want one, you got to really want one. So I don't think anybody asking needs to be told that, but th that's critical. Number two, um, really important. I had no expectations. I had desires um, as to the type of person, um, as to, you know, characteristics, leanings, traits, inclinations, um, but, but no expectations. And I was totally open. Um, I had no requirements, but lots of ideas, no insistence on anything. And would you believe the woman I met at a conference where I was speaking with Don Miguel Ruiz in Mexico, a, a woman who was wearing headphones because she didn't speak a word of English, nor did I speak a word of Spanish. Um, I really thought there's no way that could go anywhere. But we stayed in touch. We took pictures. I was back in Mexico for other events and other reasons. And um, we've drawn the conclusion that not speaking the other's language is solid gold in a relationship. Okay, this is a good thing. And she speaks great English today and we still get along. We still love each other. But very weird, huh? Um, and it's a totally unexpected. No attachments. And I can tell you, when I was single uh, and moving towards the vision of a relationship, you know, I would never say, can't be this, won't settle for that. You know, of course you want respect and love. I mean, those go without saying, but you can have desires, preferences. I would love her to be a great cook in the kitchen. But, you know, don't insist on anything. Because for every item you insist upon on your menu list of the person of your wildest dreams, you eliminate millions, if not billions of contenders. Don't do that. There's a person out there for you if you're single and you want uh, to be in a relationship who will exceed your every wildest expectation. 
and surprise you with characteristics you didn't know you wanted, but you got them and you love them. Okay, um, so number one, there's got to be a real desire. Number two, you got to be open. You can have preferences and you can write them down and you can visualize them, but be open. Um, number three, and this is maybe the most overlooked thing I experience in meeting people who ask questions like this, diversify your life. Do not put your happiness nor anything else in your life on hold until you find the one. Okay, Because you will perhaps wait forever. You will obsess on the absence of your partner in your life. You will feel broken and flawed. And you'll, you're not going to be in a very strong attracting position if you feel so incomplete for this one reason and you've put your entire life on hold. Now, everybody can nod to that, but are you living your life on every front with friends, maintaining your health, maintaining your appearance, doing your best at your work, pushing your comfort zones, growing as a person in every way, being of service, opening your heart and mind, learning new things. You're watching this tune-up, so you're doing something really good. Um, but the diversification of one's life takes so much pressure away from that one thing you desperately want. And people obsess on relationships when they want one and don't have one, and they obsess on money when they want it but don't have it to the degree that other areas of their life suffer, and it's those other areas of their life that could have been the vehicle through which a relationship or abundance would come and find you. So by all means, diversify, live a great life, Go have fun now, which brings me to the fourth thing, attitude. Uh, I've always felt and always said, you know, and now remember, I didn't meet the lady I'd marry until I was 48. And so for all of my adult years from 20 to 48, which is a number of them, um, I, I, I truly felt while I always wanted a relationship, I always wanted a lifetime relationship, I always said, you know, if I find her, fantastic. And if I don't find her, fantastic. And if I have kids, fantastic. And if I never have kids, fantastic. You know, that removes so much stress and it puts you on the seat of finding joy now without that thing you want. Now, this applies to all manifestations. It puts you in a place of responsibility to find joy now without that thing you want. And you know what happens when you find joy without it? You attract it 10 times faster. So those four things, desire, you already got that. Uh, no attachments, insistence, or expectations. Diversify your life. Don't put anything off, least not your happiness, and find happiness without it so that you can attract it. Jumbo fellow adventurers, here we go. The question today posted by you all is, you know, help me overcome procrastination resistance. We all know what that's like. I've been there. There's no human being who does not face and feel resistance, at least a little bit, in every single day. Sometimes it's warranted. Our intuition is steering us away from something that will not serve us. And other times, maybe we're kidding ourselves. 
and we're putting off a project through fear, self-doubt, or likewise. So I want to explain resistance a little bit further, help you understand it through understanding that truth will set you free. And then I'm going to give you three simple steps to help you overcome resistance. So first off, what is this procrastination? It stems from resistance that comes from fear. Fear comes from denying yourself, denying your desires, denying responsibilities, hiding out. And all of this comes because you are not recognizing your power. You have lost sight of the forest for the trees. You're contending with the world instead of shaping it. No longer aware that you are of God, by God, pure God. Get into the zone of truth. You are here to live your dreams. You've never been given one that you didn't have the power to make come true. Understand the core that procrastination comes from resistance born of fear, born of denying yourself, your desires, and your responsibilities. That's a handy one, or so it seems in the beginning, which all stems from not recognizing your power. So how do we move past this? Really easy. Life is supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be some calculus test. It's supposed to be an adventure <clears throat> that everyone gets an A++ in. PhD, black belt, magna cum laude. In your own way, on your own time, you have what you need to thrive. You have what you need to see your dreams come true. Step one of three for overcoming procrastination. You should be doing this anyway. And you are because you're watching the spiritual tune-up. Immerse yourself in truth. Dwell in truth. The truth is knowable. It's absolute. It's friendly. It's on your side. And while there are many things your little brain will never understand, none of those things have anything to do with your happiness. When it comes to your happiness, you can totally kick butt. You realize you are of God. You realize your thoughts become things. You realize there's no destiny. You realize you're the one alone who decides what's going to happen with the best and rest of your life. Dwell in truth. Do what I do. I get books that have titles that resonate with me that I think one day I'll read, but I probably never will. And they're around my house. I just see them. And I'm like, yes, I know it's true. I started writing them. I don't read those either, but I know it's true. There are infinite possibilities for all of us. Do these spiritual tune-ups, do courses or events or workshops that resonate with you. Dwell in truth because the whole world is trying to tell you you're small and falling apart and don't matter and you know the odds are against you. Dwell in truth. Have spiritual rituals, meditation, visualization, self-reflection, some of which I'm about to talk about. That's step one for overcoming procrastination. It's step one for anything you want to do. Dwell in truth. Okay, number two, apply that truth to your life. Hey, what a concept. And it's easy. You are not this mass of mystery. Okay, you are this gentle flower here to love and be loved. Full stop. You can do anything your heart desires because your thoughts become things. Full stop. Okay, so don't think that it's complicated. Don't think you're being foiled by your past life or what happened to you when you were a child that you don't remember anymore. What matters is your power today 
and applying it to your life. So take this truth that you're immersed in, stuff that you hear from me and from other folks, and begin reflecting it and comparing it to your life. Ask questions. Why am I here? Why am I experiencing this um, cycle of events? Uh, how else could I view relationships? How else could I view money? Journal. Um, think. Even this presentation today, I, I spent 15 minutes thinking of how I would talk about procrastination. And all of a sudden, it's like download. Stuff comes to you. This will happen to you. When it comes to whatever questions you pose about moving forward through resistance, blasting procrastination to smithereens. So apply the truth to you through contemplation, deep thought, walks that you take with the dog. Um, just wonder, wonder, wonder and apply that truth to your life. That's step two. Step three. Oh my gosh, so easy. Name three things that you want to do that you've been putting off. Three things. Okay, write the book, apply for the job, sign up for online dating, uh, sign, up, sign up for online uncoupling. Um, three things that you've been putting off. And then I want you to assign to yourself one little micro task for each of those three things. You know, print the business cards, done. Um, come up with a little uh, six-year game plan, done. Do little things. You want to write a book? Come up with a title. Done. Little micro steps. You've heard of baby steps. Forget it. Over overwhelming. Totally intimidating. In these areas that you want to make progress, come up with micro steps and every single day do one of them. Every single day. Do a web search. Okay. Uh, pick up a phone and call a friend. Ask for help. Um, buy a book that will help you learn more about it. Every single day, take a micro step in that direction. And on any given day that the micro step might have been easy or fun, take two. Take two. Maybe three. Maybe spend the whole morning. That's what it's going to come to. And then you're going to be in your power, applying it to your life, seeing clearly in action. It ain't no thing. We all have to deal with resistance, fear, procrastination. You're denying yourself. Not anymore. Set your soul free. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!